Das ist der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast, der Podcast rund um Nachtleben und Clubkultur. Wir sprechen mit DJs, Türstehern, Tänzern, Clubbetreibern und anderen Nachtmenschen. Mein Name ist Gesine Kühne und ich bin Jakob Töne. Herzlich willkommen beim Electronic Beats Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Telecom Electronic Beats podcast. I'm really excited that you tuned in as this one is very special to me. Everyone has these artists who kind of shaped your youth and had a big impact on your musical taste. For me, it was the label at Banger Records and Justice. So for this episode, I'm very happy that I got the chance to talk to one half of the French duo, Gaspard Auger. He told me why and how they started their musical career and why sometimes it's better not to be too professional when you start with a creative project. We also talked the inspiration behind his upcoming first solo album, Escapades, and how to handle periods of self-doubting during the production process. But before I reveal too much, let's get into the conversation with Gaspar Auger. Salut, bonjour Gaspar. Hello. Bonjour, bonjour. Bonjour to Paris, I, I think. Are you in Paris uh, right now? Yeah, I'm in Paris. And bonjour Jacob. Where, <laughs> where are you? I'm in Hamburg. So um, for ah, the yeah. people out there, we are, of course, recording remotely. And I want to go straight away to the point. Um, Gaspar, you've said once, I've always been obsessed with making larger than life music, mostly because it's more fun. What did you mean by that? Um, for example, I, I've never been into uh, minimal techno, no, and, and it's something I really never understood. Uh, and, and I only understood uh, minimal techno when I took mushrooms, and then it all <laughs> made sense, you know, to have like like very uh, repetitive and very well recorded music. But uh, I guess when I'm in a, a normal state of uh, consciousness. I just like music that is a bit um, baroque and uh, romantic and somehow um, when I say larger than life it's just that it's not like uh, music about my daily life you know like uh, it, it's uh, so more supreme more like transporting feelings like at yeah, first yeah, sight yeah exactly yeah. I, 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 because this, this is what I love about um about classical music, for example, is that it gives you probably a, a greater emotions than what you can experience in life. You know, there is this kind of uh, like uh, sacred quality that, that I like in classical music. And, um, and mostly because it's more entertaining for me. Um, and I'm just speaking for myself, but to, to make like the music I make, than making like a uh, depressive folk music, you know? Yeah. I mean, I really love folk music, but I mean... Uh, You're not into producing that. <laughs> yeah, that I'm not of. really like into the... Don't take me wrong, I, I really love uh, a lot of folk records and it has nothing to do with the, the genre, but I guess it, it, it just depends on your personality, like how much you want to reveal of yourself, you know? Yeah. And obviously I'm not a singer, I'm not a, a storyteller. So my way to convey uh, emotions, it's mostly like, yeah, with instrumental music. 
I would say you're not a storyteller. I mean, uh, whenever I listen also back to the, the older Justice albums, they're all telling somehow a story, but through music, not through words. Um, I also yeah. listened to your new album, your first solo album coming out now or uh, within the next weeks. Um, it's called Escapades. What was your biggest inspiration producing that, that album? I guess I've been listening to a lot of uh, library music, mostly like for probably the five uh, past years. And uh, I guess it's mostly a, a matter of taste and, and, uh, and sensitivity in a way, like the fact that probably music from uh, the 60s and uh, 70s, there was no cynicism, you know, into this music. It, it, somehow it was very... Um, pure and, and sincere in some way. Yeah. And I guess cynicism like came in with probably punk music. And um, I mean, obviously you had like very cynical artists before that, but I mean, the general feel of these uh, decades is more, uh, there's something very naive and probably very direct, I'd say. Like yeah, very not filled it with with um, yeah effects or so. I could really tell that um, there are some influences from the 70s and 80s, and I had immediately images in front of my mind because I mean the sound is very yeah somehow uh, also cinematic. Um, did you also mm -hmm. had uh, certain sceneries or certain images in mind when you were in the album process? I guess it, it, it was mostly like the um, when we were uh, recording the, the tracks, I, I already had the images, like, for example, like this uh, horse rider, violin player, like it's something I already had in mind uh, when we were recording uh, Hey. And um, mostly because the emotions are, um, in my opinion, like very accessible, you know, like they are not uh, accessible in the way that you can find them at the supermarket of emotions but it's more like uh in my opinion this record is is quite accessible and welcoming you know it's not uh it's not like uh free jazz it's not um like uh, concrete music so very straight rhythm and yeah easy to access is always a bad way to describe music but i would say that uh you can really Yeah, as I said, immediately I had images in front of my mm. mind that also transported a certain feeling that came with the music. So, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that's good. And, and, and actually, this is also something uh, I, I, I'm interested in, in, in not using like uh, lyrical content, is that there's no, uh, there's less um, interference be between like for example uh, your musical background and uh, your own experience and, and i guess it's easier to to let your im imagination wander when you're listening to this kind of music so making your own lyrics and your own vocals yeah and your own uh, narrative and your own movie in your head yeah I totally get that for the album um I've listened to an interview of uh, you and Xavier where you described the rooms where you uh, recorded the first two albums. I think The Cross was in the second or third basement below the social club in a very tiny room without <laughs> uh, oxygen. Um, and that the album totally fit that room, like a dance album. And then the, the next one was recorded in a very daylight, fluted room i think it was uh, your own apartment um, yeah. 
for that album, it doesn't sound like Third Basement, uh, but I couldn't imagine a room that could fit the sound. Maybe you can take us on a little imaginary tour uh, to your studio where you <laughs> recorded the album. Yeah, actually, like it was made in a, in a very like a playful way, you know, like because obviously there, there was uh, no like real pressure about uh, doing a solo record because I already knew that the music like wouldn't serve the same uh, purpose, you know, and, and, and also I guess uh, obviously like when you start a solo project after a duo, but the duo is still uh, going, you know, there's uh, it's not like if we had like uh, broken up with Xavier and split up. And then you, you start something and you're a bit like uh, frightened that it won't have the same uh, uh, resonance with people. But um, I guess it's also what, what, what's fun is, is to make a, um, a solo record after like yeah, almost 20 years of, uh, of being in a duo. And um, I guess, yeah, the, the really like the word that that comes to my mind when I think of the process of recording. It's really like, uh, it was very joyful, yeah. Joyful and playful and experimenting with, uh, with stuff, with, uh, with gear, like with, uh, and just, uh, yeah, it, it was just a lot of fun to make. Yeah. Maybe a good way to, um, yeah, pass the time during a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. As, as the time was right, maybe for this. It's funny because I I, uh, I I I finished the record like a bit before the pandemic. Oh, okay. But then, for some reason, like finding the the title and everything, uh, it kind of made sense with the pandemic. You know, like just just when when you can't travel physically, you have to travel in your own head. And I guess, uh, at least, I hope that this record, like. Uh, is some kind of window to uh, to uh, an imaginary uh, better world yeah a little imaginary uh, vacation yeah then, by listening yeah yeah i'd like to get to the early days of you and how you got into music how were you socialized musically i've read your parents are or like one of your parents is a theater actor yeah. and a teacher how did that influence you? Was like the theater scene, uh, was it um, also kind of influential in terms of music? I don't really know like how much yeah, uh, influenced me like from theater, I guess not that much, but uh, it's mostly they, they, my, my parents, like they had like probably, uh, I don't know, like five records at home, you know, they, they were not really into music. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but... And that changed then with your taste of music. <laughs> no, but it, it's funny because actually like the, the few records they, they had um, made like a, a really deep like uh, imprint, you know, on my, uh, on my musical uh, taste and everything. Do you remember what records? Or yeah, like the two I, I, I really remember. It was a Gymnopedies uh, from uh, Eric Satie. And also another record of uh, of of a French uh, medieval folk band of the seventies that was called uh, Malicorne. And obviously, like when I was thinking about this record, like a uh, few years later, I was like, oh, yeah, it was a really weird record. 
but but I guess it uh, it kind of makes sense, you know, like because uh, Eric Satie, like he has like such a, a specific uh, way of of uh, writing, you know, like it, there's always this kind of uh, uneasy feel about his music, you know, and also it's very simple but very uh, specific um, emotions that he provides, you know. Because I, I think Eric Satie had this idea to to write like very technically uh, simple music to play, so everybody could play it in uh, homes, in the in music salons, you know. Yeah. So there was this idea of uh, making something simple that could, uh, yeah, be played everywhere and understood by uh, a lot of people. And then obviously I I got into my uh, teenage years and I was. Uh, completely like uh, hit by uh, Nirvana and uh, all the, the grunge scene and everything. That's a great jump from Eric Satie then to uh, Nirvana. I've read your first album you've <laughs> bought was uh, Nevermind, the album. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was Nevermind or maybe In Utero, yeah, I don't remember. It was the tape of In Utero, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, Nirvana and the grunge scene, it's also showing a certain lifestyle. Did that suit you at that time? Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess like the lifestyle was probably uh, like uh, more fascinating than the music itself. I mean, it, it was a whole, but obviously we all wanted to have long hair and to <laughs> wear like uh, flannel shirts, you know, and uh, and uh, yeah. But also, this is what I like about uh, about grunge, like apart from the the decorum and the and the music. It's probably one of the last like musical uh, revolution, but but in the sense that it was um, it was very local, you know, it was a very local scene, and I guess maybe today it's harder to to find like local uh, specificities, you know. For, I mean, obviously, like when you live there, you you can still uh, see them and hear them, but there is this kind of of a dictature of. Uh, of Instagram cool, you know, and, yeah. and Insta cool. So whenever there's a local trend, it's it's already spread spread globally. You mean? Yeah, exactly. And maybe it's harder to to develop something more personal on your own without being uh, over influenced by what is cool and what should be cool. You know. I've taken a note because I mean, grunge, in my opinion, is also a very unperfect style in terms of that when you're not uh, matching the tune and you're not um, have the the drums on point, it's it doesn't matter because uh, that's the way it is mm. and um, it shouldn't be like uh, very straight and very stricted. And I kind yeah. of found this also in the early Justice songs. Because uh, it was also very new, the sound was, uh, let's say, unshaped, very yeah. open cut-off filters, and yeah, also very raw. Uh, so mm. at some point, sometimes no filters. Was this like when you look back to the early days of Justice? Uh, do you also see a connection between grunge, maybe, and then the first Justice single? I mean, there's definitely something in common, like. And maybe probably more with, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like uh, grunge derives from uh, punk music as well. You know, they, uh, I guess when uh, when I say punk, it's more in the sense that, okay, like it's uh, young guys that want to make aggressive music, <laughs> but they don't really know how to play their instruments. 
And I guess it was the same for us, you know, like we were just uh, in, in our 20s and trying to make electronic music without knowing how to do it and, and without having any uh, electronic uh, music background, you know. So, so we were just, okay, so uh, we want to make music with computers, but we 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 don't really know how to and, and i guess it's in the um, the accident you know that it creates your uh, your style because obviously the the first record like uh, sounds very bad from uh, an uh, academical uh, you know <laughs> like uh, in, uh, sound engineer point of view but it's what uh, gives it uh, style i guess and i guess that's the most uh, important yeah. So you and Xavier didn't play any instruments at that time? Or you were just trying uh, out we, and experimenting? Yeah, I mean, we played a bit of uh, bass and piano, but like, I, I mean, like for us, like, uh, it, it's a bit like, I don't know, like uh, Johnny Rotten, like picking a guitar, like for us, it was uh, using a computer, you know, like it was uh, mostly like... Uh, trial and error uh, strategy, you know, like just... Uh, we can't fail anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you can, but uh, I mean, it's... Uh, and also the fun part and, and what was really like our, um, our like school of um, of music was to do remixes because we, we didn't have much implication, like because when you do a remix, like either people like it or they don't, but you have less um, exposure. And so for us, it was just a way to learn how to make music on a computer and. Uh, Just to have fun with a very limited amount of equipment, so we had to be more creative and uh, and I guess yeah, there's always something good when you don't know too much about the the tricks uh, from your craft, you know. Yeah. And uh, just to keep yeah something a bit uh, innocent and fresh. Just using a compressor without knowing what it's for. <laughs> you mean? Yeah, for example. <laughs> At that time, how did you create this interest in making electronic music? As you said, you uh, both had no dance background or no no electronic music background. How did you get there? Have you been to more club shows or to more electronic clubs in at that time in Paris? Um, actually, I, I guess like before we we had to play like in a, in clubs. We were never going out in clubs. I guess we, we were more like. A, Yeah, like concerts, uh, guys. Yeah. And also like in Paris, like the club culture is, is definitely not as, um, exciting than other European cities. I mean, it's very posh in a way, you know, like obviously you, you had like a few good clubs, like with good music. Like I, I, I remember a, a club I really liked that was called, uh, Le Pulp and they were playing like very, uh, Daring music, like there, there was nothing uh, commercial about it. Like it was very, I mean, this is where I discovered like uh, no wave and stuff like this and uh, and weird like uh, electronic bands, like the normal and stuff like this. So besides the mainstream then? Uh, yeah, because I guess we, we've never really been interested into house music. And, and, and I guess it's something that has been... Uh, you know, like uh, thriving in clubs, like for, I don't know, like maybe almost 30 years. And it was hard for us to be excited about uh, this kind of music. And, and especially at the time when we started, we came in after the first uh, big wave of uh, 
like a French touch, you know, uh, and I guess there was something very um, polished about this sound. And, and obviously, like we would have loved to uh, to have a, a, a polished sound, but we just didn't know how. So we were, <laughs> we were like going the the other uh, way by, by distorting everything and uh, and over compressing stuff just to 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 have some energy and to uh, to get away with it with uh, another kind of production. When you then started or when you made your first record, or also the remixes, uh, was it clear to you that you're going to be uh, or become a professional DJ or musician at that time? Uh, no, uh, not really, because, you know, like uh, when people like start to know you, like uh, I remember like in the beginning, we, we, we were still uh, working as graphic designers. And I guess it's not really something... Uh, that happens overnight, you know, like, uh, at first, like we just had the uh, one uh, record out and we, and we were like so excited. Oh yeah, we have one record out and it's the first one. And, uh, and, um, and we are still working like, uh, yeah, as graphic designers. So it, it was never like, uh, I guess like neither of, uh, of us, like has ever dreamt of being a, a professional musician, like it just happened. And at some point we decided, okay, Uh, maybe it's more fun to make uh, music at a, on a professional level uh, than being graphic designer. So we just switched. But in the end, it's a bit the same uh, process, you know, like it's more about uh, like adding your project, like either in graphic design or music. Like if you have somehow a, a, a clear vision of what you want to achieve, like you, know, yeah. you don't have to to be like uh, uh, Michelangelo, you know, to, uh, to be a graphic designer and you don't have to be uh, like uh, Mozart to uh, do music. You know, it's, it's, you don't have to be a virtuoso to achieve something when you have uh, like all the, yeah, the, the, the electronic tools. But still, it's, uh, it's a great tool, but it's very easy to, to get lost into it. And so you have to... Keep on track. Yeah. Yeah, keep on track. But I'd say it's a good decision that you decided on being a full musician at that time. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, getting back to Paris and uh, also to Javier, I've heard you've met on, on a party, on a private party back then in the early 2000s. And uh, when you met each other, was it friendship at first sight? Did you already make silly jokes about yeah let's let's start something and we're going to be the next stars or something like that? Uh, no, no, because we, I mean, we we never thought like we you're gonna we make were, it, like, gonna <laughs> achieve anything, you know. I mean, um, when we first met, I, I guess what we what we had in common was some kind of uh, dry uh, humor, you know, like we were just like yeah, making jokes in the kitchen of that party. And then we, we started to hang out just to hang out, you know, like, like friends do. And, um, and at the time we didn't even have a computer. So we were making music, uh, like, you know, like, uh, on, on, on the weekends with, uh, with a very cheap sequencer and, and a cheap synthesizer and, uh, And like to be able to, to do like, um, masters for, for the track. And actually at the time we were not even 
calling them masters, you know, like they were uh, just need something to record the, the tracks. <laughs> and, and so we, 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 we had to borrow like um, a CD burner from a friend and then like uh, press record and just play and uh, sequence everything. And then we, yeah, that, that was the master. Like, so that's how uh, We Are Your Friends uh, has been made yeah, like in a very, uh, like, um, <clears throat> what's the word? Very different um, to nowadays production. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like very uh, archaic. Yeah, crazy. And then by uh, 2003, you were signed by Ed Banger. Yeah. What was it like to be yeah. on the label at that time? What was the label like? How was the feeling? I always had the feeling that Ed Banger is some kind of crew. And uh, when I was young, I was totally digging also the first compilations, etc. Uh, I always had the feeling those guys are just hanging around doing crazy, nice stuff, graphic design, music. How was the, yeah, how was the atmosphere in the group back then? Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it, it, it was really fun, but also it was very, uh, it was on a very small scale, you know, like we were just like, uh, basically four friends, uh, you know, working together, uh, uh because, uh, so me, the graphic designer of, uh, Ed Banger, uh, we were like roommates with Xavier in, in, in a very, uh, in the, in the dirtiest apartment <laughs> you could find in Paris, you know, it was really a, a nightmare. But also, like, we were young, you know, we didn't care and we, we just, like, did things and we didn't think too much about, about, like, yeah, what's what and what are we gonna do next? Uh, it was just very fluid and natural and, uh, and it was more like, uh, yeah, of, uh, uh, an adventure of, uh, friends, you know. And, uh, because in the beginning, like, uh, uh, uh Pedro's label, uh, Ed Banger was, uh, very small, you know, like we were like the, only the second reference on the label. So, so it was, uh, and I mean, obviously like we, we knew that Pedro used to be the Daft Punk, Daft Punk's manager, but apart from that, like, yeah, we were just happy to, to have a record out, but, but the image of the label was very, um, very, very independent. Yeah, it was just <laughs> very, well, yeah, it was very young, you know, yeah. like, so, but, uh, then, yeah, I guess we, we, we had this, uh, spirit of, uh, family and friendship and, uh, just like going over the world and, uh, and, uh, and playing parties and having fun. But, uh, I guess, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, um, we are still living in the same neighborhood, The label is still in the same, uh, in the same like small uh, shop, and um, yeah. So I guess yeah, like uh, obviously like we 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 took things on a, to a far to a bigger scale, but uh, still the same guys, you know, like same energy. Friends. Yeah, great. When somebody has been to a concert of yours, it's always like everybody can tell. I think that it's always full of energy and full of loudness and I don't know, like really great energy. And every time I saw you on stage, uh, I was thinking like, how do you guys feel on stage? Because it's like the crazy strobe going on, crazy beats, the bass is so loud. And you guys are <laughs> like, especially you, Gaspar, you're quite 
calm on the stage. How are you feeling on stage? Uh, the energy, yeah, obviously, like comes more from the from the music than uh, than than ourselves. In, in the sense that that you know we we, we are not like uh, Mick Jagger and and uh, and David Bowie. So <laughs> so obviously we we have to rely on uh, on some like uh, uh, theatricals like to uh, to make the shows like interesting. Uh, because, like, to be honest, I never dreamt of uh, being on stage uh, in front of people and everything. You know, it's, it's something I enjoy while I do it. But also, I'm, I'm really not looking after being uh, the, the, the center of, uh, of attention and uh, being uh, on the, in the limelight, you know. So maybe that's also a reason why they define the cross as a third member of justice, because it's like the highlights. Everybody's yeah, looking yeah. at the cross because it stands so out. Could be the David Bowie of justice then. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a third member. And, 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 and this is why, you know, like we don't put our faces on the, on the record and we are not like uh, overplaying, you know, Far we are not hiding, but we are not either playing that, uh, that character thing, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah. You're still very successful with Justice since uh, like over 15 years or so. And in 2019, you have won another Grammy. How was that for you after so many years getting such a, yeah, such an award? Um, yeah, it felt uh, good because uh, it came like, uh, I guess, almost about after 20 years of, uh, of career and, uh, and especially because it was for this record that, that was somehow uh, a kind of uh, best of justice. It was just a, a good way to, to close this chapter, you know. It was basically a remix album where you remixed your own yeah. tracks and not just one track, but um, sometimes yeah, three yeah. or two tracks with each other. Yeah, it was the music we played live, but uh, that we remixed in the studio. And um, and so, yeah, so it, it, it felt good. But I mean, the Grammys is a very like prestigious uh, like a ceremony and everything, but in the end, like it's um, the greatest thing about getting a Grammy is, is that it gets you with uh, with types of music, you know, that are, for example, like much more like um, mainstream and uh, and I guess um, it feels good to have recognition just to be on on the radar of the Grammy people. It's it's just a funny experience, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you're used to big ceremonies. I remember the uh, was it the MTV Music Video Awards where you won uh, an award for the video of dance. Yes, I think, yeah. back then, and that was this appearance from Kanye West. That was your first big award, and then somebody crashed it. it was kind of kind of funny. I guess it's great because obviously, like. Uh, Award ceremonies, they, they are, they are not really interesting if, if there's no, uh, if there's no like clash, you know. No story yeah, yeah. to tell, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess we, we can thank Kanye for, for making it like, uh, unforgettable. Yeah. Shout out to Kanye. After all those achievements, also now with the Grammy, is there any pressure not to fail or are you more relaxed? Like we achieved everything. I don't care. Like you've done with a solo album that you have no pressure because the justice is still ongoing and it's uh, not that 
uh, this solo album needs to have the same ambition as the Justice album, for example, or the same expectation? I don't know because like uh, every every time you start a new record, you know, like you you can uh, success or fail. So I guess we we we're just doing like the the, the best we can to entertain ourselves, you know, and not. Uh, like uh, make something that, that we already did like a thousand times. And it's not a, a really uh, a conscious decision. It's just that we don't want to make the the same thing over and over. So we, we, we're just like uh, changing uh, setups, you know, buying new equipment, uh, selling some, buying some, and just try to, um, to get out of uh, our comfort zone and to challenge ourselves. And then if obviously like if people like uh, get it, we are happy. And if they don't, um, maybe sometimes it takes a bit of time for people to, to get what we try to do. And sometimes they just don't get yeah. it and it's fine. You know? So the motivation comes more from the inside than from the outside. It's a bit hard to try to please people because people, it's impossible to identify, you know, like you have, uh, I don't know, like 15 years old uh, guys. Oh. Or like uh, 50 years old uh, ladies or, and everything in between that are coming from different musical backgrounds that liked one track specifically in what we did. And so it would be pointless to try to, uh, to please everybody. Uh, so then we just try to yeah, please ourselves first and somehow people are going to find something in that, uh, in that process. Yeah. 100%. But actually, this is what is great is that we, we still have a, a young audience and we have also the hardcore fans from 2007. And, uh, and yeah, it's obviously very interesting to, to get like a new audience for each record. And you can only achieve that if you change your music. You know, obviously, like some elements are are here to stay but it's it's always good to, to yeah just to expand um, the spectrum of what you can do and uh, what you want to do and uh, the fat kick uh, yeah. is still there <laughs> like the fat drums there are no drums in the back or so it's always in the front I can yeah tell. yeah i mean like this is what i what i recognize <laughs> from the, all the albums uh, yeah, so true. far also on on escapade uh, but yeah i mean For example, Cross had a big influence on, on my generation or people who were young adults at that time. It's uh, crazy because it was something new for me also. Uh, it, uh, it brought me a completely new, yeah, kind of music, must say. So uh, thank you for that, for the album. Yeah, but I, I guess it was uh, mostly because we really didn't know what was happening in clubs, you know, I guess this is why it... Uh... And it was not proper club music, you know, the, the things we did. Yeah. It worked on energy, but it was not very uh, DJ friendly or club friendly. You know? Like Boys Noise uh, once said uh, that he's producing music for his own DJ sets. And when other DJs don't get it and can't play it, it's okay for him. He just does it for, uh, yeah, for yeah, his own the, sets. And I the think the, way, the yeah. same matches your idea. Yeah um how is it for you now like 
as we were talking, you were doing music with uh, Xavier a long time, also with other great musicians like uh, DJ Medi, for example. How is it for you now to sit in the studio alone? I love quotes. And you once said, it's mostly when everything was finished that it became some kind of challenge to come up with a different character without the comfort of uh -huh. the duo or the trio. If you count the cross as a band member and if our duo works on complementary dynamics and a common vision, it was liberating to escape compromises. Why was it then liberating for you? Uh, but I mean, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm very happy, you know, you know, like working with Xavier in a duo, but, but, but since we are not the same person, there's always uh, a, a level of, uh, of compromise, you know, that you have to make. But just because we, we work in a very uh, democratic way, you know, like if If one of us like doesn't like something, we just uh, scrap it or try to change it like until uh, everybody's happy. And uh, so, so yeah, in that sense, there, there is a, a bit of uh, of compromise. Um, but 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 yeah, then, when you're on your own, it, it's a bit um, maybe it's a bit harder like to to see like the, the, the final uh, product. But um, I guess it's also exciting like to come with uh, new ways of uh, presenting your music and, uh, and, and to, yeah, presenting yourself. Because, yeah, Injustice, like uh, the, the cross, like was doing all the job of, you know, like uh, incarnating the music. And I guess, yeah, for my own music, I was like, okay, maybe uh, I just have to, uh, I mean, I just have to, to, yeah, to, to be in the pictures and to be in the videos and stuff like this, yeah. which is something I really don't like. But I guess it makes sense, you know, like to some extent. But I mean, I, I, it's something I don't like. I'm just like really not comfortable with cameras and everything being in the center but yeah, uh, yeah i mean it's it's my music so uh, yeah i guess it's, it makes sense and, and, and i guess it's it's more fun for people to see me in the videos and everything just because it's um just make the whole thing more uh, personal yeah were there any doubts at, at some time that you were thinking like okay i started this solo project or this this album but as you said sometimes it's hard to find the end of the tunnel maybe for a song or to see the final product were there any doubts at some point uh yeah 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 they, they, definitely i mean like there's always doubt you know because uh uh and and especially when you start working on 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 uh, tracks for a certain amount of time it's easy like to lose the focus you know and and just to um to to get a bit tired of the track and then you're like oh yeah is it like really worth it is the is it really worth like pushing this one and uh and also this is what's important it's just not to keep everything for yourself and then release the record and uh and it's important to involve like friends uh you 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 trust in like in the in the process you know like uh, because obviously like uh, most of my friends are making music or uh, or like images and stuff like this so it, it's always important to have like a, a, a sincere feedback you know from friends and, and, and but also it can be also uh, 
yeah a, a problem when you ask like too many friends and when you start like asking everybody like is this good is this good enough whatever too many cooks so in the then kitchen you have then, to, yeah. to pick the right ones that are gonna be uh that are gonna be very frank and uh then you can like yeah start to uh to finalize things with uh, a clear mind yeah i can imagine a sincere feedback uh is yeah maybe more worth than feedback from hundreds or thousands That are just saying, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, and and it's just really helpful. And I mean, it's not even like for art, you know, like it's for everything. Like it, it yeah, it's the only way to to make things change is to to be frank to each other and not like uh, like pretend like you know everything is good or exciting or. But I mean, obviously, you're never happy like yeah. uh, hearing your friend uh, telling you, oh, yeah, I don't like this video, I don't like this track. But uh, that's what friends are for, you know. Like That's true. Gaspar, what comes next? Is there going to be a solo tour whenever touring is possible again? I don't really know uh, how I'm going to be able to tour for this record because... It would mean like um, just pu put up a band uh, together, like in uh, this music played by, uh, I don't know, like five people on stage, like would lose a lot, I guess. And maybe... A lot of energy or what do you mean? No, I, I mean, it could win something, but um, it's just uh, like even visually, like I can't really see like a flute player, like, uh, you know, with a, a bassist and a drummer and a... I guess it's something that, that is a bit tricky to achieve uh, well. So, so maybe I, I'm trying to think of a way to, to make a few uh, one-offs, you know, with uh, orchestras and choirs and things like this. But yeah, it's still the process of, uh, for now, it's just a concept and we'll see if it uh, happens. Yeah. yeah. So there we are again, uh, like in the beginning of our conversation, think big, doing great music, not just good music. <laughs> so first thought, like starting with an orchestra, a choir and like 100 people involved. I like that. It's really not uh, out of uh, ambition. It's just that uh, I guess it would serve the music better than having a band, you know, a, a proper like a five piece band. Yeah. Yeah. Because... Yeah, I guess this kind of music, like, it's definitely not rock music. And, and, and I guess the rock element, like, uh, I mean, the rock element of just having, like, uh, people, like, playing on stage as a band would probably not serve the, yeah, the music. Yeah, I can imagine. It's always hard to, like, when, when you record everything at the studio, especially when you record it all by yourself, then imagine that other people... Yeah can play or there's there's a setting like you had in studio um that could fit live because life is not always the same as in the studio of course yeah i can totally imagine that uh, but i've also heard um like in one or one interview i've read um that you were talking that this album is in between like uh, a record and a tour so is there another record by justice coming Uh, yeah, we, we are, we are like, uh, because we, we never stop like working with, uh, Xavier. So, uh, we, we have a lot of music, um, slowly coming together. And, um, yeah, so, so I guess we are almost like, uh, like halfway through the record. And, 
And yeah, so we've always kept like the same pattern of, you know, like spending uh, one year and a half in the studio, six months, eight months uh, preparing the live shows and then touring for uh, one year and a half. So obviously this is why we have uh, like uh, so little records out <laughs> because we it takes time. But uh, yeah, I, and also this is what is exciting uh, for me to do this uh, solo record is that it's a bit like breaking this pattern of, you know, like uh, making music for one year and a half and then touring and playing this music out, which is uh, very exciting, but less creative than just making music, you know? Yeah, I can imagine. Well, Gaspar, so a uh, lot of things that we can expect. I'm really excited to um, maybe see a live show then with the orchestra <laughs> and choir. I will definitely be there when it is going to happen. And of course, whenever you're on tour um, uh, with, with Xavier, I'm very happy to be in yeah, the audience then again. Gaspar, I thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Well, now that's something to look forward to. Whenever the guys are on tour again, I can really recommend seeing them live. It's definitely a powerful experience. Thanks for listening. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode again. If you have any feedback, we are happy to hear from you on Instagram or on Apple Podcasts. Until then, let's hopefully meet on the dance floor soon. Das war der Telekom Electronic Beats Podcast. Abonniert den Podcast bei Apple, Soundcloud, Spotify oder Deezer. Wir sehen uns im Club. Bis dann.